At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. That's Amal Shaw. Season 1, Episode 157, 50 Shades of Blue. That's right. They're doing some testing on the screens here behind us. Amal. We'll try to get it out of the main picture. Uh, we'd hope to be back up before 11, but that is a beautiful circuit blue, isn't it? It really is. At least they finally got the logo up there. <laughs> uh, last night, the final preseason game of yep. week number two, Jaguars-Saints. Jaguars rallied, ended up covering the closing number uh, most of the talk, though, was about Jameis Winston looking very solid last night. I thought it was going to be about C.J. Beathard and that backdoor cover getting the uh, <laughs> you know, the points there and taking the game over the total for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But you're right. Jameis Winston played outstanding. Two touchdown drives. It looks like, based on what we've seen thus far, you would expect him to be the starter. I always thought he'd be the guy just based on experience. Remember, he's a number one overall pick. I get that guys like uh, Jameis Winston and Mitchell Trubisky may not be as high on anymore. But still, Taysom Hill, I don't think if he was that good, he would have eventually been drafted as a quarterback, not a um, guy who's a utility player. I don't think that, and, and who knows who will take the first snap. I mean, if that's your betting market you're betting into, I think there's too much risk. I agree. Because on any given snap, you don't know what Sean Payton's going to do. But I don't think you could consider Taysom Hill an every-down, 80-snap-a-game quarterback. Well, we saw that game in Denver last year. Was it last year or two years ago? I think it was last year. It was last year. year. And, um, it was during Survivor. Yeah, okay. And, uh-huh. I mean, he looked awful out there, right? I mean, they should have blown them out. I get they played a conservative game, but it was terrible. Um, Trevor Lawrence, a little bit shaky here. You draw any conclusions from this so far is about, you know, we know he's going to be the starter day one for Jacksonville and for and for Urban Meyer. Are you at all concerned about his performance so far in the first two games of the preseason? Well, you know how everyone on our network likes to say buy low and sell high? I think they right now you can probably get a good seventh-round pick for him. I would trade him immediately. Maybe get a, fit, a future pick in 2026. What are you kidding me? It's two games. Come on, that offensive line is horrendous. There's a reason why this team had the first overall pick. It's not just about Trevor Lawrence. This kid has been a talent since day one, won a national championship his freshman year, made the college football playoff in the other two years. I'm not concerned about Trevor Lawrence. There's a long way to go. It's early. I think the problem is because there's so much downtime when the football season is off. There's only 17 games. Last year, 16 games, right? So you have a scenario where the other 35, 36 weeks, there's other things to discuss. And the fact that you look at, oh, Jacksonville got the first overall pick, Travis Etienne as well, first-round pick. Too much is made about teams. What do you expect everyone to be the uh, St. Louis Rams and go from you know four and twelve to thirteen and three the next year? No, Dick Vermeil is not the head coach. You don't have a guy from the high V in Iowa. If they did, they might have a better chance. And you don't have the greatest show on turf. Cedar Falls stocking the shelves at <laughs> Cedar Falls. Kurt Warner, but Steve Berline had more passing yards than ninety. That is the most I unbelievable. I want to go back stat. and look at the tapes. <laughs> I want to review. Exactly. I'm, I'm challenging that. Um, so. You just alluded to 17 games this year for the first time. Only three preseason games instead of four. Traditionally in four, they play the starters deep into the third game. 
This year, only three games, no fourth game. There's two weeks off till the first game. Do you think we'll see teams playing their starters into the second half in this final week of the preseason? You know, I'm not sure because so many times everybody's got a different approach. I, it's really hard for me to say or gauge because, remember, we still have two weeks off from when the last game was played. And by the way, can you believe the Browns are playing a Sunday night football game in Atlanta? I mean, it's kind of strange to me on the preseason you're playing a Sunday night game. I get a Saturday game, but uh, so everybody's going to have the time to get ready. I, I don't know. I have not really gotten involved heavily in the preseason this year. Things have been so different. Now, there have been some opportunities, and I've seen people take advantage of them. You mentioned Buffalo yesterday. Uh, a couple people had them. And then along the way, there's some other opportunities you think that might be one you can capitalize on. But for me, it has not been anything that I've been over, overly, uh, excuse me, overly anticipating. I'll tell you something that's remarkable, Amal, and other shows have talked about it. I've never gotten on this. I mean, I heard Chuck Edel talk about it the last year. You know the Ravens, John Harbaugh, they've won their last 19 yeah. preseason games and 17-1-1 one and one against the spread in those games. They, they've done an amazing job, and I'm just concerned if I got involved in that one game, they would lose. But Zimmer had a great record till this year until <laughs> he decided not to play anybody in week one. I think there's a lot of factors. When you mm. have teams with quarterback competitions, it helps immensely. When you look at Baltimore up until the last year or two, they were in situations where they were trying to figure out who the quarterback is with Lamar Jackson, what was going to be the situation there. So I think all those things play a role. And then I think the biggest advantage is if you follow the beat reporters of teams very closely. You get a lot of insight in these press conferences, generally speaking, in terms of how teams are going to approach a preseason game. Yeah, the beat writers are there day-to-day. They're hearing the coaches, the decisions, where they're going to go with it. That's where to get the best information, I think, from a betting perspective. And guys like Chuck Edel, that's where they're doing. They got a, they got a handful or, or two handful of, of beat reporters that they really zone in on these games, and you can cover most of the league. This is the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. Big show on tap for you today. Lots of football. We're going to conclude our look at uh, or or continue our look at the uh, NFC West with the Seattle Seahawks today. We're also going to play that game over and out. Will the team reach their win total or will the head coach be out? And we're going to focus on the SEC. That's coming up in about uh, seven or eight minutes. And then at the end of the show today, we're going to have Chris Felica. That's right, the Bear from Stanford, Steve and the Bear. You know him from College Game Day, longtime producer of that show on ESPN and has become a picks guru on that show as well. We're going to break down the ACC and more with with uh, the Bear in just about 40 minutes. But let's go to where I mentioned at the start here, Seattle. We've done the 49ers, and we've done the Rams so far in the NFC West. Let's take a look at the Seattle Seahawks from a team perspective in the betting markets and then individuals uh, as well. Super Bowl odds for the Seahawks are 22-1 to 1 them all. To win the NFC, 10-1. to 1. Divisional odds as the third choice, plus 275. They're favored to make the playoffs. Interesting in such a tough division at minus 130. You can get plus 110 if you, th- if you think the Seahawks aren't going to be one of the seven NFC teams this year. If they're not one of the seven. Yeah. I, I Look, I still think they make the postseason. To me, they still have one of the best five quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think people realize how good Russell Wilson is because that offensive line has been horrendous. Everyone gives John Schneider and Pete Carroll a lot of credit. I actually have to question a little bit of what they've been doing with this offensive line. If you ever gave Russell Wilson and you know just a fair amount of time, I think it would be unstoppable in terms of how they're able to perform offensively. I like them to get into the playoffs, Mike, but I don't know if they're going to be a team that can win this division. But when you, uh, when I mean, if they get in the playoffs, a 10-1, to 1, if you want to take a shot on the long shot, it's not bad. I, I still think they're so dangerous. Yeah. You've... you've... If you think Seattle's getting in, then you think three teams from the West. Yes, I do. Well, I'm not completely convinced San Francisco's getting in. Who do you think is more likely to get in? Because you're getting a much better price if you think it's Seattle. I'll take the team with the better quarterback. We're in a quarterback league. 
How, how much do you think the defense has been improved? Now, I know they started out horrifically. They had all-time bad stats the first five games of the year. They started to shore it up as the season went on, but still not considered an elite defense like they were seven, eight years ago. How much do they give Jamal Adams? Like $70 million? Doesn't he have like two career interceptions? I'm just wondering, if you're, if you're going to sign a free safety to a long-term deal like that, don't you think you want him to be able to kind of make some plays on the ball? Uh, that's the only concern I have for strong safety. But, you know, to me, I have some concerns about their defense. There's been a lot of concerns since that Legion of Boom has kind of disappeared or dissipated over time. But they have Bobby Wagner, who's still one of the best players in the NFL from a defensive standpoint. I think this team is dangerous, uh, but a lot of it's going to rely on the offense. And I think... The fact that Russell Wilson just has the ability to make plays consistently will keep this team alive. As long as he goes, they'll go. Let's uh, let's take a look at the team win totals. Uh, their standard set at 10. Interesting. Rams 10.5, 49ers 10.5. There's only so many wins in the division. 10 here, the conventional odds for Seattle. Uh, if you want to go over 10, it's even money. You lay 20 cents juice under 10. Now, in the alternate markets, if you're high on Seattle, going over 11, 12 and 5 or better, plus 210. Uh, to go under 11 minus 260 and on the opposite side of it. You can get plus 180 if you think they're 8 and 9 or worse going under 9. Uh, and then 220, the juice uh, you have to lay to go over 9 on the alternate low. Well, let's start with the 11 over. Can't take that. If anything, you'd have to take the under. Do you really see them getting to 12 games, 12 wins? No, not at all. Yeah, and Because then, you, you've, you've got – where are they going to – again, I always say start in the division. In those six division games, where do you see their floor and their ceiling? They're – they're three and three, four and two. If everything breaks well for them within the division, they could be two and four. They could be two and four. I know the the benefit they have is it's so tough to play in Seattle. I would agree with that. But to me, the question is San Francisco. Look, going to Arizona, San Francisco, and Los Angeles is not going to be easy. I think they could potentially be looking at zero and three there. And then if the Rams or even Cardinals are capable. Um, and, of course, the 49ers, anyone can get them in Seattle one time. Arizona has played them tough in both places Absolutely. over the years. Even the very good teams there had terrible in Arizona, and Arizona's pulled a couple upsets in Seattle over the last, last half decade. No question. Yeah. Um, uh, individual awards uh, for the Seahawks in terms of a Coach of the Year and MVP Players of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. Um, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll for Coach of the Year. Now, here's one of the longer odds, and you're looking at a rebound season for him if they should happen to win the division, 40-1. to 1. Yeah, obviously, it uh, looks like a KPMG in charge of the accounting on this one here. 40-1 to 1 on Pete Carroll is the only play that's a viable option. Everybody else is like 12-1. to 1. <laughs> That's your joke. It's 10-1. Ten, ten to one, It's uh, high in 20. Uh, 10-20. 10 to 20. Yeah, it's exactly. And Pete Carroll somehow is 40-1. to 1. And by the way, if Seattle wound up with a 14-3 and three type of season, he would be coach of the year. He would be, and if their defense is improved, remember he's the de facto defensive coordinator for the yeah. team, right? And, and got credit for the defensive. Uh, Russell Wilson at fourteen to one. It seems like I'm all at some point in every year, Russell Wilson is one of the top three candidates for MVP. Yeah, but then at the end of the year, they don't seem to vote for him. Uh, I, you know, look, I don't think it's a bad play on Wilson at fourteen to one. I don't know if he's going to have that type of season. I, I think some of the uh, usual suspects, Rodgers, Mahomes, those guys are going to have big years, but it's. Uh, the problem is, I don't know if Seattle's team is necessarily going to be good enough to get him an MVP. Too much of this predicated upon your team's performance, just like the Heisman Trophy. Chris Carson, uh, from the running running back perspective, offensive player of the year, thirty-five to one. I think I, you can. I, no, go ahead, please. I just tough on a team with Russell Wilson to think that anybody else is going to outshine him. Well, I just want to make sure Chris Carson's on the team. Okay. <laughs> Their running back situation is is so up in the air. Sometimes you got Rashad Penny back there. I mean Carson. I, 
I look, I'm not taking him at 35 to one. He's not winning offensive player of the year, in my opinion. And then DJ Metcalf uh, at 50 to one. No, because it looks thrown in the ball. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly Davis right. Russ. Like Russ is the one thing with him with his size and his speed, he could have a tremendous uh, run after catch type of stats. So if he had a monster season, you know, to win offensive player of the year, a wide receiver, think about this. Michael Thomas won it two years ago. He set the NFL record with 149 catches. You're, you're looking at 100, at least 80 to 90 catches, but then he'd have to have 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns. Uh, Jamal Adams, the aforementioned big contract, is 20 to 1 for defensive player of the year. Yeah, thank you. And Bobby Wagner, 25 to 1. I would take Bobby Wagner before I would take Jamal Adams every day. I, I think he's a difference maker on that team defensively. He's the guy that is the catalyst. So Bobby Wagner would be somebody you would consider. I'm not playing it. I, I'm just saying that if you were looking out of these plays, it's Pete Carroll at 40 to one or Bobby Wagner at 25 to one. Jacob, let's take a look at uh, the schedule again for the Seahawks when we're talking about the over under 10. I think this first game, Week One, very important for their season. It's, to me, a toss up game. They go to Indianapolis. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very tough game, uh, and it's going to be an important game. They're on the road. You know, you look at their schedule. The way it starts out, look, <laughs> it, first it, five weeks. Well, I'd tough. say the first seven. I, I mean, don't. I, I, it, yes, Pittsburgh's a tough place to play, but I think that's a spot where you can go and get a win on the road. Okay, I'm going to explain something to you. Oh, okay. Thank you. you well, if you listened to me last night, you wouldn't have taken Big Daddy Lance Lynn. You got yeah, it. I know. He was awful. Seven innings, four hits, one earned. Who won the game? You did them all. No, I'm just asking <laughs> you the question. You're not giving enough credit for teams at home. This game is at Heinz Field. You just a minute ago said how tough it is to play in Seattle. You think Heinz Field's an easy place to play? Easy place to kick field goals. <laughs> yeah, right. All, all I'm saying is I think you're discounting Pittsburgh a little bit too much from that perspective. I, I okay. Look at their schedule. At the Colts uh, versus the Titans, at the Vikings, at the 49ers, Rams at home, at Steelers, and Saints at home. They could be 0-7. I don't think they're going to be 0-7. They could be. Yeah, that, I mean, it's a possibility just based on the games. It's so tough. The, the, probably their most winnable game in that situation is the Tennessee Titans at home or New Orleans at home. I agree with you. Minnesota, an awfully tough place to play. Brent talked about the sound and, and how that sound reverberates and that skull, how it just drives right through your skull. He thought that was one of the best home field advantages he's encountered when he called the game with the Raiders. Their Colts, we don't know if Wentz is going to be back. It looks like he is. That's a very solid team. The Titans will be tough, even though they're getting them in Seattle. They have to go to San Francisco. The Savior Stafford, they get at home. They go to Hines. Saints, maybe a winnable game there, and then they get a Jaguars at home before the bye. They get the bye before they have to go to Green Bay. Yeah, I, let me. I want to say one thing you mentioned about Stafford. It's not that he's the Savior. It's that Jared Goff was this awful. Jared Goff was like an Alex Smith first overall pick. You looked around and said, well, we need a quarterback. Let's just take who's, who's available. I was watching on the Pac-12 network last night. Oh, congratulations. They're happy with that you got three viewers in there. Larry Scott is very proud. Well, it was late, and I couldn't sleep. I know and he's they not were, there anymore. But. I don't know what year it was they were replaying, 2015, but it was Jared Goff ahead to break out. And they had like three Cal games on in a row, including when he picked apart that vaunted Air Force defense. And, and, and Fresno, and the Jared, Armed Forces Bowl. I lost on that game. <laughs> oh, really? 2008? No, 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 it was the year before he got drafted, though. That game was ridiculous. If I'd, I don't remember if I had the under, though. I mean, they, they scored 56 in the first half. Yeah, I remember and, that. And Air Force took eight minutes on the first drive, and they <laughs> scored 56 in the first half. Back half of their schedule after the bye, they go to Lambeau. They get the Cardinals at home, and then another tough game on the road at the football team. 49ers return trip. At Texans, we can consider they'll be favored. At Rams, tough. Versus Bears, they'll be favored. Versus Lions, they'll be favored. So in the back half of the schedule after the bye... 
Uh, they'll be favored against the Cardinals, favored against the 49ers at home, favored at the Texans, favored Bears, favored. So you get five games there, you're going to be favored out of uh, out of uh, nine, probably, maybe six. Yeah, and I'm not completely convinced. I can't play this team over 10, I'll tell you that. No, I, I think you could look at potentially under nine. They could be eight and nine. They could be nine and seven and maybe get a sneak in for a wild card, but I, I'm not holding out hope. I, I still think there's two better teams in this division, and the team that's worse the, than them isn't that much worse than them. I, I sit there and say they could be eight and nine, mm-hmm. and I still think they're going to make the playoffs, but yeah. uh, the, the reality of it is Russell Wilson just finds a way. When you look at some of these matchups, the Jaguars, okay, Cardinals at home at Washington, you mentioned. What, what do you think their home record is? The, the, the NFC has the three home I, games this year, right? I mean, excuse me, the nine home games? No, no, AFC. AFC, that's okay. All right, so they get eight games. Uh, Titans, Jaguars is a win. Uh, Bears is a win. Lions is a win. That's four. Maybe maybe they go six and two at home. I was thinking six and two yeah. or seven and one. They always find ways yeah. to be successful at home, and I think that's where they get the numbers if they're going to be successful. The road games, you're at uh, Houston, obviously the easiest one. But the rest of them are going to be pretty daunting at the Colts, at Minnesota, at San Francisco, of course, Rams and uh, Cardinals. But then, of course, the Steelers one is one that intrigues me. And at Green Bay and Washington, which you mentioned. Uh, my play is going to be Pete Carroll, 40-1. to 1. Coach I, of the year. I can't play this team. I can't. I mean, uh, I, if, if I would go Amal, if I was going to make a team bet, I would go under the 11, but I'd have to lay 260. Yeah, too high of a number. I don't see them getting I don't see I see them 12 winning wins. 12 and 5. No, I agree with I that. I it. think that's not a bad play there. Even though it's a high juice number, I wouldn't take. I mean, it's not one that I would love to take. But this is where you can make some of the money on on some of these bets. You have to you have to be patient. You got to wait a long time, but there's some opportunities there. A breaking news from Ian Rappaport: Your guy Travis Etienne will now undergo surgery and will focus on 2022. That's why teams don't want to draft running backs in the first round. What what is the injury? Uh, significant tear, serious list Frank injury that knocks him out. Wow. That's rough, uh, you know, as losing a rookie running back. But luckily, they have James Robinson, uh, who I really like. I think he's terrific. But that's a big blow for Urban and uh, Trevor Lawrence. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's go to the SEC over and out. I like yes. this game. I think I have more fun with it. Maybe more fun with this game than any because it's not necessarily both. But it, it you know, it could sure. be. It could be a coach doesn't hit the win total and stays, or or hits the win total and is out. But the, here's some cases. And what I found out when we were discussing this last night and before the show is that a 14-team league where it just seems to matter more, and really you only came up with three coaches that were in serious hot water if they didn't get to the total. I'm not saying I disagree with you after after our discussion. <laughs> I just thought, thought there might be. But you're right, eight coaches in either their first or second year. Eight coaches <laughs> in their first or second year. The other coaches are Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Kirby Smart, just three of the other one. And then you've got, obviously, Mark Stoops in there, Dan Mullen, and I'm, I'm leaving one other coach out there, but... Um, Edo. Uh, well, yeah, yeah that's right, Edo. The, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Edo. But I've got him on the list of potentially to get fired if they have a bad year. That UCLA game for them is so critical to get the season started in the right direction. I think they got a chance to go nine and three. But if they lose the game, they could still go eight and four uh, potentially. But if they were to drop off a cliff, it'd be a real problem. To me, they should dominate you. If they if they're a decent, if they're going to win nine games, if they're as good as Tom Hart says they are, they should dominate UCLA in that game. Listen, Tom Hart is our all-time favorite guest on this show. But with all due respect to Tom Hart, he's also got A and M winning the SEC. It's not that I think uh, Alabama that they they can't beat Alabama. I just never see it happen with these people from Kyle Field and College Station. You, I, you know what? Real quick, anybody who lives in Texas. 
it has got to be annoying as hell to have UT people, A&M people. A&M hasn't won anything since 1939, and UT thinks they've invented football, and if it weren't for a Reggie Bush lateral, they wouldn't have won anything for half a century either. Best team in Texas football in the last 30 years? Great question. TCU Horned Frogs. That's, you're saying over the, the whole span? Yeah. And I would say best individual team. Best oh, year. Texas, 2005. Not yeah. even close. They're okay. I thought those SMU teams back there with the, with Dickerson. And, that was about 35 years ago. Okay, right? I didn't go far enough. <laughs> yeah, you didn't go far, far enough. enough. Far the enough Pony back. Express now. <laughs> yeah. 82, Ron 83. Meyer. Ron, Ron, Meyer. Ron Meyer. Best team money could buy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start with Mark Stoops in Kentucky. A, a basketball school, not really high expectations. There has had a good defense now for about a decade. Win total is seven. Do they hit? The, they go over the seven, or is Mark Stoops out? No, I, I think that's a precarious number. I don't yeah. know if they hit it. Also, the other concern you have: Mark Stoops' career record in the SEC, twenty-four and forty-two, forty-nine and fifty overall. So he's under five hundred in both areas, but egregiously under five hundred in SEC play. You're in the SEC East. Two losses. You're looking at there automatically. By the way, one of the great bets in college football for a long time was when the Gators would play Kentucky, and they would just curb stomp them every year. Uh, they've been a lot more competitive now. They but, won in Gainesville. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> But I think this team has some question marks offensively. You can't, in today's football, rely on just playing defense. Mississippi State, over six wins, or is the lawyer Mike Leach out? No, oh, he might need to defend himself in this one. He's going he's gonna to need to find himself a good real estate agent quickly. Uh, Mike Leach's team went downhill very quickly. Sam Pittman had the blueprint out of Arkansas when they played Mississippi State after that big win against LSU. 17-point favorites end up losing the game outright. Mississippi State is in serious trouble. After that Polini game for LSU... That program disintegrated quickly. Ed O, LSU over eight wins, or is Ed O out? I would look towards the over. I don't think they go seven and five. I think they've got a chance to get to nine wins. Nine is greater likelihood than seven, in my opinion, with LSU. I believe they win a UCLA. I'm not going to lay the four there. Ed O, if he goes eight and four, nine and three, he's probably not out. But with the talent that you have in the state of Louisiana, uh, when you go per capita, it's probably second best to Georgia. I think it's tough for him to survive if he goes six and six or seven and five. Coming up, we'll take a look at the Major League Baseball slate today. A lot of compelling division and wildcard matchups. That's next. into the nuts. I'm Mike Palm, and he is Amal Shaw. This is the portion of the program where we go through the MLB slate. A lot of good matchups today, Amal. I had a play on a couple of games, but honestly, if we had a longer segment, we could have probably broken down more games as opposed to yesterday. The AL East leading Tampa Bay Rays traveled to Philadelphia uh, to take on the Phillies, who find themselves four and a half games back in the NL East, still chasing that wild card. Uh, Reds and uh, Padres ahead of them for the second wild card. Get Rasmussen tonight for the Rays. You get Suarez tonight for the Phillies. Interesting here, Suarez. Suarez was really shoring up their bullpen, but when they found themselves missing a spot in the rotation, they've gone to Suarez, and he's been very good at giving them four or five innings. It's very hard to convert, as Josh Tower says, going back and forth from bullpen to starter. Suarez has done a good job. 
you get you're a small dog today with the Phillies at home against a Rays team that's really good on the road as well. Yeah, Ranger Suarez had last two games going four and a third, four uh, four and two thirds. Mm-hmm. So really done a nice job out of the pen for uh, for Philadelphia here now against this Tampa team, who I I think is very dangerous in the American League, not getting enough love. Uh, you like Rasmussen here making the start? I don't know. I might take Philly first five just because Suarez has been has been that good, and you can get him you get him into the fourth inning or or get you that far. I mean, you're not. Tampa's very good. It's hard to play. I rarely play Tampa games. I, I, I was right though the other day in that game with Giolito to go over. That game did yeah. go over that did, game did go over the total. I lean Philly first five here. Um I don't know if I'll make a play or not. Yeah, I don't have any play on this one. You know, you mentioned Tampa. Philly's another team. I don't think I've been involved in many games with them all year. Somebody sent me a text the other day. They said, Is the are the Yankees worth a bet to win the American League or the World Series? I think I, anybody in the American League is. I say you have to convince yourself they can beat the Rays though. They've had a difficult time with the Rays, whether it's agree. in Yankee Stadium or it's at the Trop. And even though at the Trop, it's really home field for them as well. I would agree <laughs> with you, but I feel like there are different teams since the middle of like early July. And since they've had the acquisition of Rizzo and Joey Gallo, this team just seems to have a different dynamic. I'm not saying they're the only catalyst for it, but it feels different. Let's go to that game last night. They won in Atlanta. They broke the Braves' nine-game winning streak and continued their own winning streak up to 10. And tonight, it's one of your favorites, Mr. Haney. Andrew Haney goes against the ace of the Braves stat. Charlie Morton, you can get the Yankees tonight. Uh, look at this number. Wow. Oh, that's last night. Uh, you can get the, I found uh, 125 on the Yankees, 120 at DraftKings right now. Yeah, not a bad price. The way the Yankees are rolling winners of 10 in a row, you would be, you know, it wouldn't be a problem if you take them in this spot. You mentioned it yesterday with the Kansas City game, Royals winning against Zach Greinke. <laughs> Plus 220. Yeah, exactly. Lynch, Big number well, there. Lynch. I mean, how do you back Lynch last night? That's that'll exactly. pitch for the, the, the Royals. Uh, but they, they did, and they dominated. Absolutely. Last night, the Royals, they're making their run. What, what about <laughs> Charlie Morton's quietly had a nice year, comes in with a whip under 1.1, which is always very impressive. Um, one of the advantages I love when you have a team like the Braves in this spot is they don't use the DH on the daily base on a daily basis. And the Yankees have to give up that spot in the lineup. And last night, obviously, it didn't matter. They win the game 5-1. to one, But over a series, I generally like that favoring certain teams, especially when you have two teams that are on level footing. That was a game we looked at the uh, over a little bit there. It was nine again last night, but Montgomery pitched very well, and they beat Wynoa. Um Let's shift to the NL West, where we have the big three teams, two of them in play, although the Padres are, are slowly falling out of that. They now find themselves a game behind the Reds. Reds have an easier schedule, but they match up with two of the Goliaths in their divisions. Reds are at the Brewers this week, and the Padres are hosting the Dodgers. We didn't have a starter name for this game for a long time, uh, Johnson's going to start for the Padres against Urias. Urias, 13-3 and three on the year for the Dodgers. Very quietly, 13-3. and three. How about this? 149 strikeouts also in 139 and two-thirds innings pitched this year for Julio Urias. He's been outstanding against Pierce Johnson. The one thing that really stands out to me is the fact that the Dodgers have been able to separate themselves from the Padres as the Giants have as well. Dodgers right now looking 10 games in front of the Padres in the standings. Uh, I think San Diego, you mentioned earlier, Mike, in serious peril of not making the postseason. Now they're a game behind Cincinnati in the wild card standings. Critical set here against the Dodgers. Not necessarily an ideal uh, matchup and not a bad price on L.A. with Urias going in this one. Think, think about this in this series. The Padres in desperate hope trying to cling on to the, in this wild card race. They get the Dodgers come to town. The Padres going into this series. Now let's just say it at, at, at 6 a.m. Pacific today. Didn't have a starter name. So the Padres' rotation in this series was undecided, Snell undecided. The Dodgers' rotation is Urias, 13-3, Bueller, 13-2, Scherzer, 12-4. 
That's who they get to face at Petco this week. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, but that's Wa- what you're going to be looking at in the playoffs too. And not only that, you're looking at Walker Bueller, who's probably been the best best pitcher in the National League outside of the first month of the season. Right. You know that was Degrom and uh, your guy Burns. Burns, but now Walker Bueller's just been dominant. You look at his numbers, particularly in July and in August, what he's been able to do, he's been outstanding. NL uh, NL Cy Young, the next 48 hours critical. Um, Burns tonight against the Reds at home, and then Bueller on the road against the Padres tomorrow. You know, I would have see if Jacob has it, but to me, I think you got to lean Walker Bueller based on stats. I'm definitely with Walker Bueller, and they're both still a plus, plus price, as we mentioned yesterday. All right, when we come back, it's the Palm Reader Playbook as well as the Mullen. With exclusive bets, daily specials, odds boost, and the largest offer of live in-play options, BetRivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting. And to make your experience even more rewarding, BetRivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time playthrough. BetRivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Welcome back into the nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. You had some future picks on college football yesterday, Amal. I had two baseball plays, and I zigged when I should have zagged. I bet one game first five and one game full game. If I'd have done it the opposite way, I would have went 1-0-1 instead another 0-2 day for me. Uh, you know, Lance Lynn, 0-0 through 5. They lose 2-1 late. Kimbrell. Kimbrell's not an eighth-inning guy. He's not doing as well in the uh, eighth I, innings as he's doing in the ninth. Well, I was surprised that Larusa brought him in. Are yeah. you saying he's not the closer? You're on the road. I don't understand yeah. why you're bringing in Craig Kimbrell in the eighth inning. And then Seattle. I played that first five because I thought that the Oakland bullpen was better. But the Mariners rallied again and went another game late. You know, they're only two back of uh, of Oakland now in a big game today that's an afternoon game there at Oakland Alameda. Yeah, critically, quietly, the uh, Mariners really making a push here. It, I don't know. Don't you think uh, Service gets some consideration for manager of the year in the American League? Has to. I, I think has to get When you look at that lineup, yeah, you absolutely. look at that team, they've really overachieved. All right, let's go to the um, I'm all in for your place today. Yeah, one play in baseball and involves two guys that you love, Corbin Burns mm-hmm. tonight for the Brew Crew and, of course, Wade Miley on the – or, excuse me, Tyler Molly. Molly. Uh, yeah, uh, I – well, there are two M's I, I knew on Cincinnati that you like. Uh, Tyler <laughs> Molly on the mound here for the Reds here, under 7.5. Uh, the price was too high in Milwaukee for me, but Burns has been outstanding. And, again, Milwaukee's offense been inconsistent throughout the year. So, like the under 7.5, I'm not a first-five guy like you. I looked at this one, couldn't do it on, on this match. If it was three and a half, I was going to play seven and a half. Here's the here's the problem though, when you take an under four, you're you're hedging against yourself with the four. You're saying, okay, at least I get a push because you've got to get to three. Three and a half and four are virtually the same in my book in terms of winning. It's the three that just prevents you. I mean, the four prevents you from losing the bet. I like the seven and a half. If it were seven, it would. would, It's not a play I would have made. Here's the problem with these this ghost runner. (laughs) <laughs> this freaking go. I mean, this game could be two to two, and, and it goes over because of these ghost runners and extra innings. That's one of the things. 
you know, Mitch Moss texted me today, and, and, and we can go ahead and throw up my place, and, and we'll get to it. But he texted me today. He said, are you on Molly on the road today? Molly on the road, and I talked about this. His last, he got hammered by the Cubs at home in the day game in Cincinnati. The last time he was on the road was on a Friday night against Wheeler, and he outpitched Wheeler in Philadelphia, your guy. Listen, 7-1 and one with a 1.86 ERA on the road. He's just been absolutely phenomenal. When I looked at this number when Mitch texted me early this morning, they were only about plus a dollar fifty. This number's taken off. The Brewers are two dollars now with Burns. I think I got a, I, I can't say sprinkle. I don't want the Dunkin' Donuts uh, attack from you, but <laughs> I, I think I have to make a smaller play, uh, just a little bit on Molly as well. But I played the first five here, and as a two-unit play, uh, and again I played Tigers and Cardinals, Mize and Flaherty, another first five under. They're both four. It's fifteen cents in Milwaukee, five cents. Uh, in St. Louis. I feared this game would get to three and a half before the first pitch. That's why I played it early. Again, National League Parks, you need 30 outs. The pitchers are going to be hitting four times, which is even more important because Casey Mize never hits in that Tiger game. I'm going to take a couple of teams that you may say, oh, you got to hold your nose to bet them as two-unit plays as well today. Madison Baumgartner and the D-backs in this early game, uh, it's against the, uh, Pirates. the Pirates. Yeah. Madison Bumgartner in this game, he's been absolutely phenomenal oh. in the last three months of the year. Brubaker hasn't been bad, but why are you taking them first five instead of the whole game? Because here? I don't want to deal with the with Corey Lavello in the bullpen, gotcha. okay. which blew the game twice last night yeah. against. They've been awful. You know that they're six and forty on the road, so I have to go against that to play Bumgartner. But he's been so good, and his last start out, he beat Zach Wheeler. We talked about that. I said that was a, a one hitter. I said that was a reverse run line possibility there with Arizona six at home. Nothing, right? He was terrific in another home game against the Giants and Gosman. Yeah, he goes on the road here. I have to play him. He's been so good. Brew Baker, though, uh, Brew Baker has had a couple, two out of four starts where he, I think he gave up four or five earned here. I'm going to take the D-backs here. Hope they can score a couple runs on the road. I have to go against the Orioles' 18-game losing streak. King Kong Bundy uh, and the ace of that staff is what he was supposed to be. But this Angels team, much, much more talented than the Orioles. I'm going to play them on the road two units. I think it's very, very possible this Orioles team sets the all-time record and loses another six games here, even though they're at home. Angels, not they're not out of it yet. No. They're still, when you draw the lines of who's in and who's been eliminated here in baseball, the Angels are above that line in the American League. They're a talented team. I'm going to take the Angels tonight. Uh, Reds, Burns, is uh, Reds, Molly, Brewers, Burns. That's a two-unit play under four first five, minus 115. Now, to the one-unit plays, Mize and Flaherty. Flaherty's been just terrific after coming off the DL. Two very strong, solid starts against the Brewers last time out against Kansas City. At Kansas City the first time. I think he's going to be tough for the Tigers to score tonight. But I don't want to lay 220 in that spot either. And I don't want to lay a run and a half with the home team. First five under four. And then the one soccer game. This is the second leg of uh, Champions League qualifying rounds. Ludogorets against Malmo. Malmo wins in Sweden. We had under two and a half last week. It finished 2 nothing Malmo. No road goals. Uh, no road goals for Ludogorets there. It now returns for the second leg to Bulgaria. Nothing like late summer in Bulgaria. This should be a beautiful, beautiful game here as the Swedish invaders come down. Look for them to defend heavily here. You could get two and a half plus 120. I took the three and laid the 25 cents here. It takes four to beat me. I don't see four. I don't see how Ludogorets would have to get to two, I think, for it to get to four. I'll go under three and lay the 25 cents for one unit. Yeah, I didn't see West Ham United scoring four in a month without Jack Grealish. But the red card. I mean, the red card really turned that game, I thought. Listen, if you're Leicester City, still not giving up a four spot. Yeah, I know. Schmeichel. Schmeichel's been so good, too. After two seasons ago, he was bad. Last season, he was right. very, very good. He was good. In Euros as well, 
Um, but that game really took off with the red card. I, 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 I got off my under two and a half after the red card because I just I thought that this game could get janky. You know, you know um, our good friend Niall Seeley gave out West Ham at 100, at 100 to 1, and, so, and they won their first two matches. So we'll, we'll see when they get into the meat of their schedule. Still a, qual, a quality We're side. We're Leicester. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's encouraging there. Have you watched much Premier League the first two match rounds? I have a little bit, yeah. Yeah? I mean, Anything impressed you so far? You know, I tell you, when you watch Chelsea defensively, I mean, it's unbelievable. You don't even, you don't get too many good opportunities on them. And Arsenal, whoo, Gunners are in some serious trouble. They're bad. That was at Arsenal. You know, I thought Chelsea at 5-1 to one was not the right price because I thought they'd have a target on their back with the way they finished the year, but they're steamrolling squads right Playing now. outstanding, and no clues from last matchup. They've had some injuries. They'll be fine. Yeah, they, they will be. I'm not sure Man City deserves to be favored uh, at a minus price still, and we'll see if Tottenham can continue. Remember, they teased us all through about the first 10 match rounds last year, and then they, they totally tanked. They still, have, they still have two of the top scorers in the league, though, so they'll be interesting. When we come back... We're going to have the bear. That's right. Chris Felikas joins us. We're going to focus on ACC football. Now that the NFL preseason has kicked off, it's the perfect time for you to huddle up with the VSIN Pro Football Betting Guide. The guide is only $19.99 and available now. That's right, hot off the presses. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Sign up for VSIN All Access and get everything we offer for the entire football season. But here's a better idea: just sign up for just sign up for the package. Okay, you get. You get 20 bucks a month. You get the daily email. That's worth 20. That, what, what is that? 75 cents a day? That's worth it alone. Somebody tweeted. I haven't even put out my plays yet. Somebody's tweeting at me about one of my picks. Somebody's reading Bill, Bill, Bill Eighty's email every day. You get the point spread weekly every Wednesday, and you get the shows on demand. You can play them back whenever you want. Just the guests you like or listen to the whole show. Go to vsin.com slash subscribe. Welcome back into the nuts. My partner, Amal Shaw. For some reason, isn't really uh, fond of the bear. Now he he had a previous commitment, but he had to step out. But I do have the bear on the line. That's right, everybody. Chris Felica, you know him as the producer of College Game Day, that smash success. Also on-air personality now on Vsin. Done so much great work for that network. The podcast Stanford Stephen the for free ESPN Stanford Stephen the Bear podcast, the must listen every week, and just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, my friends. It's Chris Felica. Thanks, Bear. I, I appreciate that, uh, that that wonderful welcome, and I, I wish them all were, were around. We could we could talk a little uh, Buckeye football as well. I, I think people might be uh, making some dangerous assumptions about Ohio State and the fact that they they lose so many guys, and there might be a new quarterback, and the defense looked bad in the uh, national championship game. That be, be be very careful about sleeping on the Buckeyes this year. Well, when Amal listens back to this final segment of the show, he'll make sure you get booked uh, booked again during the college football season. <laughs> I want to I want to talk about the Brett McMurphy tweet in this alliance. Brett just tweeted big uh, the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC alliance will include scheduling component 
for football and women's and men's hoops designed to create new interconference games and enhance opportunities. It will begin as soon as practical while still honoring current contractual contractual obligations. Bear, is the day coming where we're only going to have four conferences in college football and the rest will be some other division? I think it is. That, 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 that reading the writing on the, on the, on the wall, uh, that, that seems to be the direction we're headed where you, it's going to be an even greater gap between the haves and the have-nots. And, and honestly, reading between the lines at this and what has been said and what hasn't been said in the, in the, the press conference and in the, uh, the little bullet points of that, this essentially appears to me as a way to kind of have the, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC kind of have this voting block in terms of agreeing on how we're going to move forward with expanding the college football playoff and expansion uh, or retraction in college football, however you want to phrase it. I think uh, there was discussions, obviously, about the playoff expanding to 12 teams. And then right after that, the SEC says, hey, wait, we're at, we're at Oklahoma and Texas. And I think the other conferences were like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. So we're going to expand, and now uh, we potentially could have five or six SEC teams in the, in the playoff every year. I don't think the other conferences were too fond of that. So I, I think this is a way to try and bring – uh, everybody together and say, hey, yes, we do agree that the playoff needs to expand, but we uh, we need to figure out a better way to do it than have the SEC kind of lead the way and, and create a favorable scenario for themselves. Bear, we're doing conference previews, and we've come upon the ACC, and we thought you being a University of Miami guy and a college football insider would be the perfect guy to take a look at it. Clemson, of course, such a heavy favorite at minus 750. I mean, in a championship game as a two-touchdown favorite, they won't be 750. So I don't know anybody who's going to lay that number um, before the season starts. Who do you see as the most logical opponent for Clemson in the ACC title game, and can anybody beat them? I think the most logical opponent would be North Carolina. And, and I think a lot of people are a little bit concerned about North Carolina being a very trendy team with Sam Howell coming back. Uh, and people are also at the same time a little concerned about losing uh, both of the running backs from last year and a bunch of guys to the NFL draft. But in, in speaking with people down in Chapel Hill, uh, they feel pretty confident with Ty, Chand- Ty Chandler at, uh, at running back. The offensive line returns intact. I, I think they feel very good in, in, in the sense that their defense is going to be much improved from what they were last year. And I, I don't know how many people remember the Orange Bowl from last year, but that team that was on the field led led Texas A&M in the fourth quarter. They were tied with Notre Dame uh, in in the last regular season game in the fourth quarter. Uh, Josh Downs is going to be a star. So I I think North Carolina is the most logical uh, team to to do. And and I actually uh, made a Sam Howell to win the Heisman bet as a way to kind of get a a little bit of leverage, a little bit of value on North Carolina. I figure if you could bet Howell 15-1 to to win the Heisman, uh, North Carolina, if they reach the ACC championship game, won't be plus 1,500 on the money line. So I figure if North Carolina goes 12-1, beats Clemson in the ACC championship game, I feel pretty good about Howell's chances to win the Heisman. So if you're looking to try and get a little bit more of a boost on on someone upsetting Clemson in the ACC, it it would be North Carolina to me. Week one, we get the fantastic matchup in Charlotte between Georgia and Clemson. Clemson, four, four-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. We know if Georgia loses, they can still win the SEC and make the playoff. Clemson doesn't have North Carolina on their regular season schedule. They don't have Miami. Is the ACC strong enough that if Clemson loses to Georgia, they can still make it back? 
I, I think it is because I do think if they were to play uh, in North Carolina in the uh, in the conference championship, they can. But it leaves them absolutely zero margin for error, and they are going to be rooting uh, for Georgia to win the SEC if they wind up losing next week in Charlotte. Because if Georgia were to beat them and then say lose the SEC championship game to Alabama. You, you can one of the criteria that the committee used, not the only one, are head to head. And if it would, I think, be hard to argue in that committee room, in the selection room, that Georgia beat them. And Georgia wasn't at full strength, and they beat them. And now you're going to tell me Clemson, because they won the ACC, would go ahead of ahead of Georgia? I wouldn't buy that. So uh, if Clemson were to lose, I, I think there's still a path. But it certainly would not be one that I would feel uh, great about having any more than for We're speaking with Chris Felica, the Bear Game Day on ESPN, Stanford Stephen, the Bear Podcast. I want to ask you about the bottom half of the of the ACC, and I want to ask you about Georgia Tech. I respect Jeff Collins as a coach, but doesn't it take at least half a decade when you're going to go from a triple option team that Paul Johnson had to rebuilding into a traditional? Uh, traditional pro-style offense. I mean, you've recruited receivers, you've recruited offensive linemen, all to run that triple option. You have to transform this team over years. A win total, uh, you know, do you think Georgia Tech can get over the win total this year here, sitting at four, four and a half? Well, they, well, they won five last mm-hmm. year, and I think they were kind of fortunate to win five in that in that year last year. Uh, it, it's hard because in, in that league, you're, you, they go to Clemson, they have North Carolina, they have Virginia Tech, they go to Notre Dame, they have the, the, the rivalry game against Georgia. There are not a ton of winnable games this year, so I would I would agree with you, Mike. Uh, kind of reading between the lines and the thinking under uh, is the right play. Well, while they kind of snuck up on everybody to start the year last year. Uh, beating Florida State in Tallahassee. I don't think at the time we really understood how bad Florida State was going to be last year. I think Sims is still going to have a lot of trouble uh, throwing the football. They're buying in, and I think the school is buying in, but but I'm with you. I I think it's going to be until at least next year uh, where we see Georgia Tech competing for a bowl berth. Our friend Paul Stone is very high on Boston College. One of his favorite three season win total plays is Boston College over the seven. We've seen some movement in that market now. Minus one thirty. Your thoughts on Boston College? Uh, I, I like B, I like BC. Paul likes BC, and I know Stanford Steve is a big uh, BC fan in itself. The o- the only thing you have to worry about, not the only thing, but again, this is a team that hasn't won eight games in a long, long time. But at the same time, uh, getting players back at receiver who were injured last year, in addition to Zay Flowers, uh, Jakovic is a clear difference maker. On that offensive side of the football, BC finally has a passing game uh, that is a real threat probably since the first time since having Matt Ryan there, I would think. Uh, They do have a long losing streak against ranked teams. So uh, they need to experience some success, win a couple of these big games. But but, but I I think seven and five, I think seven, worst case scenario, I think seven is a push because I believe uh, in Jeff Hoffley and the way he's gotten that defense to improve in one year. I think they'll improve even more this year. And, and I would expect BC to be at least seven and five, if not an eight and four type team. Again, you're in, you're, you're in that difficult division where you're, you're going to get that automatic loss against Clemson and, and you've got some other games as well. But, but I, as a whole, I like BC this year. In the final days of the Big 12, and, and I'm assuming they are, um, is that conference a two-team race between Iowa State and Oklahoma? My partner, Amal, 
really likes Iowa State to win the Big 12 this year. He thinks they can lose to Norman, but has a great shot to come back at Jerry World in a Big 12 title game. I think his his thinking is right, and I don't even know it's a it's a given that they lose in Norman. They they had a two point conversion miss uh, a couple of years ago, or else they would have won. Uh, they they beat him there the, the previous trip in Norman. This is a team that is not intimidated by Oklahoma. And what I love about Iowa State is that if you want to go forty one thirty seven, like they can do that. But, but at the same time, if we want to go gain a four, second and six, gain a four, third and two, uh, first down, move the, and control the clock for 40 minutes like they did in the Fiesta Bowl against Oregon, they can do that. Uh, they're a really experienced team, a lot of seniors on the team coming back this year uh, to try and get that unfinished business. I think the Big 12 championship game will be Oklahoma and Iowa State, but I would not completely eliminate uh, TCU. I think Gary Patterson has a team that will be among his best since 2014. And the, the only the one thing I have a concern about Iowa State is that people might be a year late on Iowa State. I, I think the signs were there last year, and you got that game against Iowa early in the year. And, and, and you know, like, Matt Campbell's team has not beaten Iowa. So if they were to lose that game, what direction is that from the season? Here we only got 20 seconds, but isn't six points too much in that rivalry? I think it is. I, I think it is, too, especially knowing knowing that, that Ferentz's team, you know defensively they'll replace guys. You know they'll be good up front, and I would expect nothing other than another close game in that series. Bear, appreciate the time, my friend. Of course, Mike. Anytime, bud. Stay tuned to Visa and up next, betting across America. 